So we are doing a series on the swap shop and Jordan done a great job last week starting it off. Bless him. And he wasn't supposed to be on. He's not even here, but tell him he got a round of applause. I'll make sure that goes in the podcast so he knows he got a round of applause. Um, and he got landed in it because he was actually supposed to be week three. So, but he took it on and he done an amazing job. And, um, and Lisa done an amazing job making the graphics for it. And I just have to make sure they do a good job of preaching it. Amen. So, this week we're looking at fear. And, and the idea of the swap shop I, I came about because there is a scripture um, in Matthew where Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And what he wanted to do was say, You come to me with whatever it is you have, because I want to give you something different. I want to swap with you. And here's the bit about swapping something. You never had to pay extra when you'd done a swap. Do you remember that? Remember kids when you swapped cars or you swapped conkers or you swapped marbles for steedies or whatever it was? You didn't pay extra. You'd done a deal and we had a swap. And, and what was in my head, and it was, it was funny listening to Jordan last week talking about it because he, he looked it up, he Googled it, he was going, what the hell is a swap shop? Um, but swap shops were things. There was a program on the TV with Noel Edmonds called The Swap Shop. It used to be on a Saturday morning at a, a half nine. And I actually YouTubed some of the clips of it this week. And it was horrendous looking back on it. It was <laughs> I thought it was real cool at the time, but it was horrendous looking back on it. But, um, but the idea of the swap shop, and that's where the idea for this came. God wants us to step into a place where we've all this stuff in our lives that we can actually just swap with him for free. And the stuff he wants to give us is better. The trouble with us is most of the time we're too used to holding on to the stuff we have. And we don't want to let go of what we've got to get what he has for us. And he goes on and he says, <coughs> excuse me, if you take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the bit that I want to push about this is he wants us to learn something from him. You don't know this. I don't know this. We weren't born knowing this. We need to learn this from Jesus. Because everything we do in life, we've learned from someone. And I don't know about you, but most of the stuff I learned before I ever met Jesus, I learned it from my parents. I learned it from school. I learned it from friends. I learned it from whatever. And some of it was useful, and most of it wasn't. Most of it wasn't great. Jordan talked last week about worrying. Worrying is a learned behavior. I learned it from my ma. She was a prize worrier. There was nothing for worry about. She'd go looking for something to worry about and then worry about it. But it's a learned behavior. We pick it up. We pick up how to live in fear. Jesus wants us to learn from him. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You kind of have some idea what a burden is. A yoke. When we used to call people a yoke, it wasn't a compliment. You know that yoke? Do you know what I'm talking about? It wasn't meant as a compliment. But a yoke, actually, being from Crumlin, we had loads of yokes. But the yoke is a thing that two cows used to wear between them to help them pull a plow. And if the, if the, if the yoke was a bad yoke, all right, then it created problems. And the burden was much heavier. But Jesus, he was a carpenter, so they used to make these things out of wood. So he used something that he could make a real example of. He would make a yoke that would fit us perfectly so that the burden is lighter. 
You see, the stuff in this life that I have to do, the stuff in this life you have to do, and God has made a yoke that is perfect for you so that that burden is light. It's still a burden. It's still a job, but it's light. It's not going to drag you down. It's not going to destroy you. It's not going to rip the heart out of you. You might go through tough times, but if you're carrying Jesus' yoke and you're living in his rest and it's gentle, then we will be able to get through it. Does that make sense? And, and what, what, oh, that's a much nicer one than I did. Anyway, um, fear. What is fear? Fear is, like, it's contagious, isn't it? Fear is more contagious and spreads faster than the coronavirus. Right? Honest to God, the coronavirus hadn't even hit Ireland and people were panic buying. Shelves and Tesco's were empty. Shelves and Dunn's were empty. Just to get everyone's name in, Little Aldi, Super Queen. They were all empty. The local shop, they lost stuff. They were sold out of stuff. It hadn't even got here. Fear is contagious. Our news industry and our media industry feed on people's fear. And they feed fear into us. And what is it? Essentially, it's a state of mind. A guy called Napoleon Hill said, fears are nothing more than a state of mind. Well, last week we talked about worrying. How many times have you worried about stuff? How many times have you been afraid of stuff? And it never happened. The amount of people I met in the last four years who were terrified because Donald Trump was going to be voted in as president of the American country, right? The USA. And then he got voted in. And people here were terrified and they're going, he lives 5,000 miles away. What the hell? Do you know what I mean? We're, not, we're part of the European Union. We're not part of the United States. Why are we living in fear about stuff? Because that's the contagion of fear. It gets into your head and it gets in there in a seed and if we feed it, it grows into something that destroys us and just traps us. And we end up living in this little bubble or this little jar like that woman with a lid on it and that fear is holding us back and stopping us being what we could be and what we want to be, and it's a liar. And it will tell you stuff about you, and it will tell you stuff about God that is not true. It will tell you you are less than, and it will tell you God isn't able for. And they are both pure, outright lies. Because you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And our God is able to do everything far beyond what anything we can think of or imagine. Far beyond and fear disguises itself in our lives. It hides behind different things. One of them is common sense. And, and, and I need to be careful with this because I am a great believer in common sense. I I'm like education, and I think education is great, and people who go and do masters and do degrees and all that are wonderful. But I have met more people with PhDs who haven't got an ounce of common sense, and they can't put a light bulb in, which is like, that's not what it's about. Common sense is really good. It's not very common, but it's really good. And it's needed, okay? But it's not a place to hide your fear. Because you see, God will call you to do stuff that won't make sense. God will tell you to step out. There are people here, we're going to do baptisms in May, please God. God's going to tell you, you should get baptized. And common sense is going to go, no, don't do that. Then everyone's going to talk about you. Everyone's going to know. Common sense will tell you, don't give your money to church. God would say give. Common sense will tell you don't, don't set yourself out there to be hurt. God will call you to step out. Fear will hide and disguise itself as common sense. Use your common sense, but be sure it's not your fear. 
Be sure it's not fear that's just hiding. It will keep you in your comfort zone. It will disguise itself as comfort. It will like, there's people, and, and, and it's a phrase, and I have used it for years, and it's really ticked people off for years as well. There are people who are very happy in their misery. They're more happy in their misery because they're more afraid of stepping out of that misery and going into what God has for them in their life. And you have to make a choice with your life. Do you want to live in this small circle that has pain in it and that has disappointment in it and has hurt in it and has begrudging in it and has offense in it and whatever else? Or do you want to step into the freedom that God has for you and has for me and we have this opportunity to step into this? But we have to get out of that place where it's like God is saying, I have all of this over there and we're standing here going, no, but I'm afraid. Oceans. Do you know what? I love when God puts a service together. I didn't have anything to do with the worship this morning. That's probably why it was so good. I didn't have anything to do with it. Okay, but listen to the songs. They didn't even know what he was preaching on. What's Oceans all about? Stepping out. Take me to the place where the water is too deep for me. Take me to the place where I don't know where you're calling me. There is all of this stuff God wants to call us into, but we need to be willing to let go of the familiar and step in to the stuff that is scary. It will also disguise itself as busyness. We'll get so busy that we don't have to sit with ourselves. We get so busy that we don't have to sit with other people. Oh, I'd love to sit and help you with that, but I'm a bit busy. I'm doing the Lord's work. I have something to do. People get real busy in church, but they won't take the time to sit and stop and be with Jesus. Because if I take the time to sit and be with Jesus, he might just start pointing out stuff in my life that I need to look at. We'll also get caught up in perfectionism and procrastination. I do that, but I wouldn't be able to do it right. I've had people even over, over the years we've had hope. Oh, I'd love to be able to help you, but I wouldn't be able to do that. You would. You might be able to do it the way he does it or she does it or I do it, but you could do it. But there's a perfectionist thing that says, oh, because I can't do it perfect, then I won't do it at all. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us if we're called to do it. There are some people, God bless you, you can't sing. That's okay. You're not supposed to be in the worship team. That's all right. You worship from the floor, like me. There are some people who are not good on computers. You're not called to be on the tech team. There are some people who are not good with kids. I'm not good with kids. It's not my thing. Kids are safer in there when I'm not in there with them. Okay? It's, it's much better for them. They have a chance of a relationship with Jesus. But with me in there, it's probably not going to happen. Shouldn't be there. But that doesn't mean that I can't help with kids when they need it. I'm not going to be perfect at it, but I can do it if I have to. We need to go beyond thinking that we can only do something if we're going to be perfect or we can only do something if it's going to be exactly the way someone else does it. And go, do you know what? God's called me to step into something. Sitting at home and doing nothing because you can't do something perfect is no excuse. Someday we're going to stand in the presence of God. Someday we're going to stand in the presence of God. And he's going to ask me what I did with the gifts that he gave me. I'm going to get into heaven because the blood of Jesus will, will secure that. 
I have secured that. The blood of Jesus has bought me salvation. I have a place in heaven. I have no fear of that. Where that place is could depend on what I do with the life that God gave me here and the gifts that I do with them that he gave me. I don't want to stand there and go, and he go, you know what, you could have tried that, Brian. You could have done that. I would have made it happen. We have done more stupid, non-common sense, crazy things with our life since we met Jesus than we ever did before. I've done plenty of stupid things before I met Jesus, but since I met, but you know what? That is what the adventure has been. That's what gave us life. We stopped just surviving and started living. And has it been hard? Yeah. It's been dire sometimes. It's been really hard. Has the last couple of weeks been hard? Yeah. Would I swap it for it? No. What else would I be doing? Sitting at home watching telly? It's living. But if you're going to live, you have to get past these things that are disguising your fear. It's stopping you living. It's disguising itself as all these other things. I looked up some research, some of the most common fears people have. Debt. Loneliness. Huge one. Public speaking. I done this maybe 15 years ago for a, for a, a teaching I was doing in a, in a project, and public speaking was number one, and death only came fourth. That was like, wondering about that one. Intimacy and vulnerability. Huge fear people have. And another one is going crazy. I've been there, I can tell you, it's not that scary, you can come back. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Other fears you might have. Global warming. Money. Your job, job security. Your kids' futures. A home to live in. Your health. The coronavirus. Scary neighbors, I couldn't leave it out. Measles. I want you to pick one right now. What is your fear? Just pick one. Because if we're going to swap something, then I need this to be tangible for you. This isn't some spiritual talk that you walk away from and it doesn't make any difference. This is an exercise in the gospel being the truth. This is an exercise in that Jesus came and put skin on and lived in our world and knows what it's like to experience these fears. He was in Gethsemane facing a fear that none of us ever face. He knows what fear is. So I want you to pick one, your fear. It mightn't be on that list. You might have a fear none of us know about. You could have a health scare, wherever. But I want you to pick that fear right now in your heart and just hold it and go, Jesus, this is the one I want you to look at. Because if we're going to swap our fear, then we have to swap it for something. What are we going to swap it for? The world will tell me that the opposite of fear is all of these things. Assurance, boldness, confidence, being self-assured, having self-confidence, being courageous. They're all John Wayne stuff, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? I'm not afraid of anything. Dauntlessness. Fear, I don't even know what that means. Fearlessness. Fortitude. That's a real old word, isn't it? That's what the dictionary tells me. It's the opposite of fear. You know what Jesus tells me the opposite of fear is? Peace. Jesus tells me the opposite of fear is peace. In John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. No, sit down. Sit down. Peace I give you. Take that. There you go. She got her favorite color. Don't even know. 
some peace I give you. Have a bit of peace. Have a bit of peace. You just got grace. Grace. Oh, sorry. Peace I give you. That's another one. Have a bit of peace. It's not the communion now. You don't have to hold it. Peace. Have a bit of peace. Have a bit of peace. Is this weird? Sorry, yeah. just bear with me. Bear with me. There's reasons for this. Have a bit of peace. Thank God there wasn't hundreds here. <laughs> okay. See, Jesus said, peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. Okay? I can't remember the name of them sweets. Starbucks? Starbucks, whatever it is, anyway. We used to call them opal fruits, didn't we? Here's the bit. I just gave you an opal fruit. My opal fruit, I leave with you. My opal fruit, I give you. Okay? Not as the world gives it. How does the world give you opal fruits? They sell them to you. You go to shop and you buy them. Okay? How do we try and get peace in the world? We go and we try and buy it. We buy it with stuff. We buy it with drink. We buy it with drugs. We buy it with sex, rock and roll. Whatever it is, we try and buy it. Jesus gives us peace as a gift. He gives it to us as a gift. Our job is to maintain it. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. They're commands. They're not suggestions. The day you're sitting in fear at home is the day you're not doing what Jesus is telling you. Now, am I trying to say that you won't have stuff to be afraid of? No, you will. Believe me, I know what it is to be afraid. Last Monday morning, I was very afraid. I had lots of stuff knocking on my door, telling me, you need to be afraid, Brian. You're looking at jail in Belarus, not where I want to spend the rest of my life. Plenty to be afraid of. But I either live in the promise that Jesus gave me peace, or I live in the fear that the world wants to give me. You have that choice too. It's not only me. And I'm not some super spiritual person who this doesn't affect. I'm just flesh and blood like everybody else. I have to go through the same stuff that everybody else does. We don't wake up in the morning singing hallelujah and jump out of bed doing cartwheels to the hallelujah chorus or something like that. We have to get up and just face life like everyone else. Jesus got up and faced life. But he promised us over and over again, you don't have to live your life in fear. There will be stuff to be scared of, but you don't have to be scared of it because you're not part of the world. I have overcome the world. That's what he said. In this world, you will have trouble. But don't let it upset you because I've overcome the world and you're in me. If we can get a hold of where we, we're seated in heavenly places. Spiritually, we, we don't exist on this plane. And I know that sounds really freaky and all the rest of it. But there is a difference between where I see physically and where I see spiritually. Physically, I have to live out my life day by day in this world, go to work, do, do all the stuff I have to do. But spiritually, I don't have to live in that place. I worked many years ago when I used to work in the prison. I had a meeting with my manager one time. And, uh, and he was trying to put the hammer on me for something. It was, a, it was a long time ago, long before I ever got into trouble and had the breakdown or anything like that. But he said something to me, and I said to him, 
I'm not dependent on this job. Because he was trying to go, if you don't do this, you'll get sacked. And I was going, well, I'm not doing it, so you can sack me if you want it. I'm not dependent on this job. And he literally sat back in the chair, and he went, like, what do you mean? Are you rich or something? And I'm going, no, I'm not rich, but I'm not dependent on this job. And he went, like, that's a, here's the phrase he used, that's a very powerful place to be in. And I said, well, I don't know if it's very powerful or not, but it's a very comfortable place to be in, because I'm not dependent on this job. I'm dependent on my Father in heaven because he's my provider. He gave me this job, and if he wants to take it away from me, he will. And he'll give me a different job. And I want to tell you, in the 30 years I've walked with Jesus, he has given me job after job. Whenever I needed work, it's come. I've had to apply for some of them. I've had to go talk to people. But he has given me jobs. I don't have to be afraid of an economic downtown, torn down, wherever that is, downtown. I don't have to be afraid of that. I don't have to be afraid of a recession. Because I don't live out of that mentality. I live out of a mentality of God is my provider. Now, last week and even this week, because health-wise I'm not where I was two weeks ago, I've got problems, I have to go see a specialist, blah, 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 blah. There is loads knocking on my door going, well, your back is fake, Brian. And you're not going to be able to walk. How are you going to pay a mortgage? How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? You're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to do this. You're going to starve. You'll be in a cardboard box. My brain is well capable of going off to mad places. And I either let that bring me there or I go, but God's my provider. He gave me the house in the first place. If you knew the story, you'd know he gave us the house in the first place. He's paid the mortgage all these years. He'll pay you. I don't know how, but he will. I can't tell you how. I walk in his principles. I tithe, I give, I live as generous a life as I can, and he pours it in so that we can do that. And the more we give away, the more he gives in. I can live in the fear of lack, or I can live in the blessing of plenty. I can live in the rest that Jesus gives me and the peace. And some of you have ate your opal fruit, and there's more there if you need some. But there's more peace for you. You can eat the bit of peace you've got, and you can have more. Do you want more? There's more there. There you go. They're very bad for you, but you can have them. Okay. There is more. And we use up the peace today. Scripture says his mercies are new every morning. So every single morning I get up tomorrow, it's a new day, but there's new mercies for whatever I'm going to face tomorrow. I will face situations tomorrow that I'm not going to face today. I will deal with people tomorrow that I didn't have to deal with today. I've dealt with people today I didn't have to deal with yesterday. You're the same. We're all in this together. But Jesus is also the same. And the gift he has for you is the same gift he has for you and the same gift he has for you and the same gift he has for me. And that peace is there for every one of us. Don't let your hearts be troubled. How do you do it? You keep your mind on him. In Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born, it says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I want to tell you a couple of things about that. One, you can't trust what you don't know. If you want to trust God, you need to take the time to get to know him. When you get to know him, you realize you can trust him. Then there is nothing. But if you want to stay there, then you need to be careful what's going on in your head. And if you're not living in peace, there's three questions I want to ask you. What are you allowing the enemy to fill your head with? What's the stuff that's going on in your head 
that's robbing you of peace? What have you been telling yourself? What names have you been calling yourself? Ever go, you stupid, take you, what to do that for? I've done that loads of times. About me, not even about anyone else. What stuff are you telling yourself? I'll never be able for that. I shouldn't be doing this. What have you focused your thinking on more than anything else? What has been the focus of your thinking? Because here's what it says in Romans, we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're not supposed to conform to the patterns of this world. So we're not supposed to think about stuff the way the world thinks about stuff. We're not supposed to get scared about stuff the way the world gets scared about stuff. The coronavirus is happening. It's happening. I live in Crumlin in a house across there. The chances of a coming knocking on me door and getting me are probably quite slim, unless one of you has it. But <laughs> I can live in mortal terror of this thing. Or I can live. Now, does that mean I should be stupid? No, I'm not saying I should be stupid. But I'm not going to conform to what the world is telling me I'm supposed to be. The world is telling me I'm supposed to shrink into a corner and be nothing. And not reach out to people. And not love people. And not care for people. And shut everything down. So I can either conform to what the world wants or I can be transformed into what Jesus wants. And you can too. And how do you get transformed by the renewing of your mind? By the Holy Spirit doing a job on you. And he does it two different ways. One is he walks on your heart from the inside out. And the way he walks on our heart is that he looks at all the attitudes we've got, all the different bits and pieces we've put in place for all the years that we've been walking. I learned loads of ways of surviving for the first 30 years of my life. Loads of ways of surviving that kept me safe. Because where I came from wasn't the healthiest place. I had to figure out ways to just stay safe in it. But you know what? They weren't useful for me for the rest of my life. They were hindering me from moving forward. They were keeping me trapped in that comfort zone of the pain that I knew was much more secure than the unknown and the freedom that Jesus was calling me into. So I would tell loads of lawyers because that would just keep me feeling safe. And God was calling me into truth. I would be certain ways in relationships because that's where I learned to be, to stay safe in my family and realize that's going to destroy my marriage. God had something better for me. I needed to step into that. But he had to walk that from my heart, from the inside out. He had to break all them. We talk about spiritually, we, go, we had to turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. What that's about is looking at our attitudes and our behaviors and the way we have learned to live and God going, that's not the best for you. It's better. There is better. I have better for you. But you need to come and trust me. But I can't trust him if I don't know him. And the way I get to know him is I get absolutely exposed to his glory. And the way you get exposed to God's glory is in worship. Is in reading the scriptures. Is in going to church. Hanging around with other Christians. Talking about life. Being open. Being honest. Setting yourself up to be challenged by other people, to be loved by other people, to love other people, to get yourself out of that space that has trapped you all of your life and go, man, there is so much more. There is so much more. But God will do that and he will transform our lives, not just our minds. But we have to be willing to surrender to that. We have to be willing to step into that. 
What are you allowing your head to be filled with? Fill your head with the promises of God. You can't fill your head with the promises of God if you don't know what they are. And the only way you're ever going to know what they are is if you sit down and take the time to read them. Or you go to Bible studies or you allow someone else to teach you. You need to be exposed to the word of God. What have you been telling yourself? What have you been calling yourself? Tell yourself the truth to what God says about you. You can say you're a stupid ticker. You can go, I'm a child of God. They're your choices. That's the rain. It's outside, thank God. It's not in here. So praise the Lord. It's not going to get us. What does God say about you? You are his precious child. You're a masterpiece. You're not stupid. You have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is the mind that invented the universe. That's a fairly clever head. That's available to us. Why have we been focused or thinking about more than nothing else? Focus on who God is and how big he is. Not how big your problem is. Do you ever sit there and go to God, oh, you have no idea how big my problem is. Oh, God, it's huge. It's this, it's that, it's the other. Instead of going, hey, problem, you have no idea how God, big my God is. When we were in, and, and this series was put in place long before we ever went to Belarus two weeks ago. I never thought I'd have to live out what I'm, going, what I'm, what I'm preaching this morning. But for three or four days over there, we had to live this. I lived in worship, I lived in the word of God, and it was the only thing that kept me sane, it was the only thing that gave me strength, it was the only thing that kept me going. People prayed for us, that held us up. The fellowship of believers held us up in times when we were in need. Without that, we wouldn't have got through. But here's the thing, we had the opportunity to decide we can live in fear. On Monday morning last week, we had several people telling us that we needed to get out and go on a plane and get out of that country. I was going to get locked up. And Anne said to me, what are you going to do? And I said, eh, I'm going to stay. Because it's the right thing to do. Did I hear from God? No. But I knew it was the right thing to do. It was the truthful thing to do. It was God's way. God doesn't run away from stuff. Am I brave? No. I was planking it. Am I still nervous? I'm going back and I don't know what they're going to do. I still don't know if I'm going to get charged or what. I have no idea. And then I talked to someone during the week and they said, I just want to say I admired you because you wanted to stay. And I said, no, 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 no. I didn't want to stay. I wanted to go. I stayed because it was the right thing to do. Because I can either live in that fear. Because the enemy was telling me all kinds of stuff that morning. He was filling my head with all kinds of stuff. But I had to keep going back and go, what does God say? And God said he can work all things out for the good of those who love him. That's in Romans. If you don't read your scriptures, you don't know that kind of stuff. You don't know that stuff, it can't help you. We put on Bible studies, it's not for the fun of it. It's so that we can get this stuff into us. So that when we need it, we have it. When we need it, we have it. So when you remember those questions, you remember that he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. God will keep you in perfect peace if you keep your head full of God. Your heart will be at peace. The fear of death people have, I picked out for these five fears, I just picked one scripture for each one, but there's loads, believe me. In Hebrews it says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity 
so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. See, death doesn't have the power over us. It doesn't have the final victory. Death is a doorway into a much better place. The worst thing that can happen to me isn't dying. Paul said, to live as Christ, to die is gain. If I die, I go to heaven. Miserable for some other people left behind, but I'm gone. I'm happy out. Don't be thinking you feel sad for me, I'll be in heaven. I won't feel sad for you when you're dead. I'll feel sad for those around you who were sad. I'll see it sad for us if Anne goes first. But I won't be feeling sad for Anne, I can tell you that now. She'll be having a party up there shopping till her brains move. I don't know what the shops are going to be like in heaven, but I'm sure they'll be good and you don't even have to pay. Loneliness. Here's the thing with loneliness, okay? Hebrews, Jesus promises, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You're never alone. You might not have somebody with skin on, but you have God in your life with you every moment of every day. Last Sunday night, I, I, I lay in a bed in a strange hospital in a very strange situation in a very strange place. And I had no phone, no money, no nothing, but I had God. I had God. Public speaking is a huge fear for people. Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what you shall speak. God will put the words in your mouth. When you have to do it. Paddy will testify this morning. He got up and done it. He doesn't like doing this. I even got John up here once or twice and he spoke. And he'll tell you. God will put the words in your mouth. Intimacy. Intimacy is not about sex. It's about vulnerability. It's about my heart is open to let you see what's going on inside of me. There was a film years ago called Avatar. Don't know if ever you ever saw it. There's a part in that where he says, I see you. That was their most intimate phrase. Most people in this world are afraid of letting people see them because they're fear of rejection or whatever. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God and anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Love casts out all fear. Scripture says love, perfect love casts out all fear. If you fill up with the love of God, you won't have space for fear and going crazy for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind so here's the thing you have a choice you can live in fear or you can live in peace alright this is the choice we have and this is the choice I want to give you right now right this minute Shane sent this song to me the other day it's been floating around the internet all, all week it's powerful it's a scriptural blessing Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon and be gracious to you. Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The Lord wants to give you peace today. So I want to ask you that fear that I asked you to put your hand on earlier. The fear that's in your life that the rest of us haven't got. Make his face shine upon 
want to ask you to commit right now to go, Jesus, I want your peace. I want to surrender this fear, whatever it is. If it's for you, if it's for a loved one, whatever it is. And I'm going to invite you to step up and come up here. We don't do this very often. I know you certainly don't do it very often. But I believe God wants to do an exchange with you today. But to go into a swap shop, for me to go into a swap shop and change something I've got for something I want, I need to get off my chair and I need to walk into that shop and I need to go, I have this and I want that. And I believe God wants to say to you today, if you want his peace, he's here. This goes against all theological training. And I'm going to tell you, he's not where you're sitting right now. He's here waiting on you. And he's saying, He has peace for you. And this is not about... This is not about us praying for you or laying hands on you. This is about you walking into that space with God. And going, Jesus, I want. Jesus, I want your peace. And I want to leave whatever this is that has tormented me, that has stopped me, that has kept me tied up in it place where I'm so afraid of something new that I'm holding on to pain from the past. God. Jesus. Father, I pray that in every single one of their lives, that they would know the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would leave this place knowing that they are surrounded by you, that you are above them and behind them, that you are below them and not around them, that you are in them, oh God, and that you have every, every single part of their life, oh God, that you use for God. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Yes, yes, Lord. yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you've been listening to this song, you're doing, you know, these words singing it. This is a blessing that God is singing over you right now. It's taken directly from Scripture. It's for you, it's for your children, for your children's children. It is the favor of the living God in your life. It is the favor of the living God in your life. It is everything that you could ever need. Every essence of your life that has a need in it, that has anything in it, this is the place for God. Just pour that into my hands.
and the Lord turn his face towards you and grant you peace. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, all his friends. Bless your people. Bless your people. Amen. Lord bless you. Have an amazing week. Jesus. He is